lights. All right. Well, we need some lights. There we go. Excellent. It's good to see you this morning. Uh, I would love to have you grab your notes out of your handout. And we are wrapping up a series today called March Wellness. We're at the end of March. We're at the end of our March Wellness series. Very excited about all the good reports that I have heard from so many of us at Overlake. And uh, yeah, just, just kind of celebrating that. What we want to do is we want to recognize that there's this challenge to steward who we are, body, mind, and soul. At church, all we talk about is the soul, but that's really a disservice because we are an interconnected whole. God has made us as a, a, a whole being, right? And yes, there is this sort of trinity of who we are with, with this body, mind, and spirit, just like God is trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. And so we are made in his image. So it's important for us to remember that we steward all of us. So today I want to talk about, again, part of stewarding our mind are some of the attitudes that we, that we can affect, some of the postures of our mind that we hold. So I want to jump right in to a scripture because it has this amazing reality for us and it begins sort of the conversation of where I keep my mind. And I hope that we keep it right here in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, where it says, His divine power has given us everything we need. Go ahead and circle that phrase. God's power has given you and I everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires." Friends, what this verse tells us is that God is inviting us into abundance. He's inviting us to participate in his very nature. And and, and the thing that is so amazing to me about this verse is that all of the verb tenses, they're all in the past tense. That God has given us everything we need. When is it? It's happened in the past. He's already given us everything we need for this kind of a life. And even that last sort of line, it says, it's having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. It's already happened. We have escaped the corruption of this world. And we need to be reminded of that because sometimes it doesn't feel like we have escaped because we still struggle. We still live in this world. We still stumble from time to time. So it's really good for us to be reminded of these realities, right? That that God has given us his power, that we have escaped the corruption of this world. And so it, it brings me to this question, well, how can we embrace this truth that he has already given us everything we need. If you're filling in the blanks, the first truth we're going to tackle is don't underestimate the power of your God-created mind. Don't underestimate the power of your God-created mind. God made you in his image, and he has packed a ton of his power into you already. And how we get to sort of understanding this truth is it starts with an attitude that we embrace. And if you're filling in the blanks, the next one is, so embrace a positive outlook. Embrace a positive outlook on life. Proverbs 15, 15 says, for the despondent every day brings trouble. For the happy heart, life is a continual feast. 
you might want to circle the word feast and realize that it's a paleo feast. It's a whole food, real food, Jesus-approved kind of feast that the happy heart has all the time. And so that's available to us, how, if our outlook is positive, if it's hopeful, if it's fearless, if it's faith-filled, that is what we get to enjoy. And so what this means is that instead of seeing problems, you see opportunities. Instead of seeing hassles, you see challenges. Instead of having to do things, you get to do things. Instead of a glass half empty, what you see is a glass half full and you're excited about that glass and you're already convinced that's your favorite drink. That's kind of where we go with this positive outlook on life. You live in hopeful expectation. And and what is this faith that you have? Well, the faith that you have with this positive outlook is pretty simple. It's a faith that God is good, that God is with you. It's a faith that God changes the equation right here and right now, and that along the journey, you can lean into his strength. That's what faith-filled means. So yes, we can have a positive outlook on life. In fact, I, I want you to look at this first. It's one of so many that Jesus said throughout his earthly ministry in Matthew 9.22. Jesus turned, and seeing her, he said, take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. Please underline that phrase. Your faith has made you well. Jesus said this time after time after time. The scripture says instantly the woman was made well. You see, friends, when we don't have faith, when we give up, then we are the ones who miss out on what God promises. So embrace that positive, faith-filled perspective. Our faith is in Jesus and Jesus alone, but our positive outlook is predicated upon him and his love and his grace for each one of us. So yeah, can we have that positive outlook? Yeah, absolutely. But it's a choice to embrace it. So that's the first challenge when we get in this attitude of promoting wellness. The second fill-in is think yourself toward wellness. Think yourself. Let that be the posture of your mind. What we've been talking about over the course of this month is every day stewarding your soul, every day stewarding your uh, body, and every day stewarding your heart. And for those of you in this room who have picked up our 30-day challenge and you've been walking that road, you've probably noticed some things that happen, that as you steward your body, your mind, and your soul, there are some what I would call natural benefits. There are some natural benefits. You start to feel better in certain ways. You start to feel more energetic. You start to feel more hopeful. You're expecting good things are going to come your way. There's this natural blessing that comes. By the way, it's not an accident. God has made you to be designed like that. But this point is a little bit different. Your mind is so powerful. God has made this tool so powerful that that you can actually, um, if you posture your mind in such a way that you're thinking yourself toward wellness, it's not just what is natural, a natural result of all the good things you're doing, but suddenly your mind is actually taking you further than your body's already at. What I mean is is you can can actually think your way forward in such a way that, that every time you work out, 
you can imagine the goodness that's happening in your body as you're stewarding well, and, and your mind will actually take you further than your body is, is currently at. You can do this with all kinds of things. And every time you read the scripture, you can think on that and, and visualize how God is using that scripture to cleanse your thought process and to make you closer, bring you closer in intimacy with him. And so you're propelled along your spiritual journey. For those of you who have been focusing on hydration, a lot of you have been just working on drinking as much water as God wants you to drink. Every time you take a sip of water, imagine that water coursing through your body, that, that, that you are now hydrating, functioning at a higher level, and, and your mind actually brings you to the place where you're feeling better than you currently are at. Now, it's a little bit of a trick, right? You're going, Mike, are you talking about mind over matter kind of a thing? And yeah, a little bit. It brings me to the next fill-in. The next fill-in is the placebo effect is a thing. It's a thing. You don't have to believe me. This is like, the only, believe me on everything else. This, you don't have to believe me. You can do your own research on this if you care to. But there are many studies that place the placebo effect to be effective between 60 plus percent of the time, 70% of the time. It's that high. So again, you don't have to believe me, but there are others out there who have had incredibly positive results with the placebo effect. If you want the positive results of a placebo effect, you do have to believe because the whole thing about placebo is it's predicated on belief. Does that make sense? It's predicated. Do you guys know what the placebo effect is? It's simply where your mind is telling your body, oh, look, that medicine must be working, or oh, this technique must be working, and your body responds positively, even though the medicine is a fake. Let me just give you one actual study. Again, there are so many out there, but this is just one. I wanted to find a documented case. It says, a man his doctors referred to as Mr. Wright was dying of cancer from the lymph nodes. Orange-sized tumors had invaded his neck, groin, chest, and abdomen. His doctors had exhausted all available treatments. Nevertheless, Mr. Wright was confident that a new anti-cancer drug called Krebiosin would cure him, according to a 1957 report by psychologist Bruno Klofner of University of California, Los Angeles, entitled Psychological Variables in Human Cancer. Wright was bedridden and fighting for each breath when he received his first injection, but three days later, he was cheerfully ambling around the unit, joking with the nurses. Wright's tumors had shrunk by half, and after 10 more days of treatment, he was discharged from the hospital. This is from the Scientific American. Now, here's the kicker in the story. This drug, Krebiosin, is just creatine dissolved in mineral oil. That's all it is. No therapeutic value whatsoever. So where was Wright's cure? His, his cure was completely in his mind. He was expecting this thing to be a miracle cure, and it became a miracle cure because of his expectation. This just trips me out. This is the Twilight Zone kind of a moment right here. But now you go back to that first verse that we read, and what does it say? God has given you everything you need. The reality is your mind is so powerful, your thoughts are so powerful, the attitudes that we embrace are so powerful that it does impact our body and it does impact our life and absolutely Im impacts our choices. Does it impact those around us? Certainly, right? So yeah, we get a chance to posture our minds well. Now, 
Of course there's debate, and, and you're welcome to have debate with me on this, and actually, please don't, because you'll win the debate. There's debate about whether we become what we think, right? There is debate about that. Some people say, yes, we become what we think, and other people say, no, 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 we don't become what we think. But here's where there's no debate. We become what we love. That's the truth. So, you love Jesus, and he's the the source of your affection, then guess what? Over the course of your life, you're going to become more and more and more like him. Gracious, kind, loving, generous. That's because you love him, and so you're going to be drawn toward him. You love your spouse. Guess what? Your commitment is to your spouse. You're going to grow closer and closer and closer to your spouse. So that over the course of a whole long lifetime, you know, people are like, oh, you guys have been married forever. You're so cute. You even, you act the same. You finish each other's sentences. You know, yeah, you know why? Because I've been on this love trajectory for the whole time, right? You grow like, you, lo- you, you become what you love. And so the challenge in this regard is that you actually would have a really healthy view, make a love commitment to stewarding yourself well. So that you would actually do really, really good stuff as you steward your thoughts and as you steward your body and as you steward your soul, okay? Next, fill in. Don't underestimate the value of your daily habits. Don't underestimate the power of your mind. Don't underestimate the power or the value of your daily habits. We are created to be somewhat habitual people, and so the daily habits that we have and the things that we embrace day in and day out, they have incredible power over the course of a lifetime. So the first challenge here is change what you love. Change what you love. And again, this, this message, it might have been good on the front end of March Wellness, but for those of you who are kind of tracking with me, this fits for sure. You can change what you love. I got a buddy who sits in the front row of the movie theater every time he goes. Front row. I was going to the movies with him. He says, we go to the movies. He sits in the front row. He goes, look, they they saved me a seat. I said, this is the very last seat in the whole theater that I want to sit in, right? And I don't know if you're with me on that, but it's like the crink neck, and you just see, you know, everyone's huge at the bottom, but then really tiny at the top. And, you know, I don't enjoy sitting in the front row. And so I said, why don't we, you know, get... He says, no, look, several years ago, I realized that this would always be a saved seat in the house. So I changed my perspective to really enjoy watching movies from the front row. And guess what? I have never been sold out in a movie since. And uh, essentially, it's really, it's a a dumb idea. (laughs) But it works. You you can change what you love. Over the course of my life, I have changed what I love countless times, and so have you. When I was a kid, I hated tomatoes. Guess what I love? Tomatoes. When I was a kid, I hated, like, mustard. Guess what I love? Mustard. Like, all kinds of things. When I was a kid, the worst thing in the world to me, the absolute, this was like punish. this would be like torture, sushi. But I love sushi today. Now, I've changed. And then things that I used to love, I hate today. Hostess fruit pies. I used to, I thought they were like a gift from heaven, like they came down on a cloud kind of a thing. But today, oh, I'd rather chew glass. 
And you know what? The truth is that you have changed what you love over the course of your lifetime. You can do this. The Bible says you can do this. And there's this word that the Bible gives. Jesus himself talks about this word. We don't use it very often in in, in our language today, but it's the word repent. And if you want to know what the word repent means, you could simply, somewhere in your notes, right? It means I change what I love. And so what does Jesus say? Jesus says, the time has come. March wellness, the time has come. It's right now. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Change what you love. Instead of living your life without God's help, live your life with God's power. So here are a few things in light of March wellness that I want to challenge you to change. Change the feeling of being overfull to the feeling of being energetically recharged after a meal. Change the feeling of being slothful and relaxed for the feeling of being active and alive. Change your desk chair for a standing up desk. Change your commute for biking into work. Change for the stairs over the elevator. Embrace the change of playing soccer with your grandkids instead of playing video games. There's all of these ways that we can change what we love, that we repent of the way we were thinking, and we begin to go a new direction for wellness' sake. 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. And we got to witness that with our baptisms this morning. But the challenge, love you being healthy. Love you being sharp mentally. Love you being right with God. Love the process of getting here. The next villain, don't underestimate the consistency factor. Don't underestimate the power of your God-given mind. Don't underestimate the power of your daily habits. And don't underestimate the consistency factor. The first example that came to mind is probably the best example, Russell Wilson. Anybody love Russell Wilson in the house today? Russell Wilson. Now, what's so interesting, in three seasons in the NFL, he is the winningest quarterback in history. Occasionally, Wilson will have great games, And on the rare occasion, he'll have a poor game. But most always, he has a good game. That's consistency. Day in and day out, he's consistent. And why he hasn't been offered a new contract with the Seahawks, I think we should all go to prayer right now. Lord, please. So, like, the idea is consistency has a payoff. What is consistency? It's keep goingness, it's stick to itness, it's dogged never give upness. And I want you to see this is very, very biblical. I got three verses on your outline Hebrews 10 36. You need to persevere. Can you circle that word? Persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. There's payoff to consistency. Next verse, 1 Timothy 6. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness. Circle that word. Steadfastness and gentleness. 
Next verse, Hebrews 12, too. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured. Can you circle that word? He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Persevere, steadfast, endure. You know what this means, friends, is that right now, today, you get a chance to define who you are, who you want to be. And then you get to spend every day for the rest of your life becoming that person, right? Consistency, steadfastness, perseverance. Next fill-in, you need to be consistent for God's kingdom. Consistent for the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Friends, it all counts. Everything you do in love counts. Everything you do to glorify Jesus counts. It's not in vain. I want you to skip down to the next fill-in. The next fill-in says, consistent when tempted. And we are all tempted. And when we're tempted, right when we're tempted, that's when we need to go to the Lord. We need to seek his help in that moment. Right, so that we look that Twinkie right in the eye and we say, get behind me, Satan, okay? Like that's the, the deal, get back. Paul talks about taking our thoughts captive when we're tempted. And the reason why we have to do this right when we're tempted is the longer we remain in our temptation, the more likely it is that we're gonna give in to that temptation. James 1, 12 says, blessed is the man who remains steadfast. There's that word who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God promised to those who love him. Next fill-in, consistent when we blow it. And we will blow it from time to time. We'll make mistakes. We'll be disobedient to the Lord. We will not live up to our own standards. We'll fail in our own commitments. But when that happens, what we tend to do is isolate, hide. We assume that others are perfect, and we assume that we are the worst And in our isolation, we think, I can't turn to God right now. I have to do penance first. I have to make myself suffer first. Yes, I've blown it, but but I can't go to God right now. And just let me ask a real clarifying question. Whose voice is that telling you you can't go to God? You see, Satan is the one who wants you far from God. Jesus is the one who wants to be close. So even in the midst of of temptation and and, and failing to temptation, what we need to do is immediately go back to God. We humble ourselves before him. Yeah, we confess, we repent, we lay it down. Lord, this is what I did. I blew it here. But we go right back to the Lord. You know, a great example in scripture is King David. And we see this in his life again and again and again. The next fill-in is consistent transparency with safe people. Transparency with safe people. We've been talking about March Wellness as an opportunity to get some buddies alongside, to bring your spouse along in the conversation, Uh, somebody who's safe in your world. But this is true in all of the areas of our life. And then the question, well, how do I know if someone is safe? I want to give you four characteristics of a safe person. The first is that they're not reactionary. That when you tell somebody something, they don't have a noticeable negative reaction. That, you know... You confess, hey, I've blown it in my, uh, I had a diet commitment before the Lord in March wellness, and 
and I, and I blew it, and they don't just respond, you scum, you ate a whole box of tagalongs? I can't believe it, you know? Like, that's reactionary. Uh, you want somebody who's not reactionary, somebody who listens well. Next uh, is predictable, and predictability means trust. You know that they're gonna be predictably solid in their friendship with you, and at the same time, want the best for you. The next characteristic is mutually vulnerable. There's safety in this mutual sharing. And then the last is that they choose words carefully. They don't make always or never kinds of statements. They don't make these broad, sweeping generalizations, but they choose their words with subtlety and carefully and with care. So it's great to develop these safe relationships. It's great to develop this transparency. But I do want you to know that we have a group of folks designed for this at Overlake, and they're the folks who, who meet to pray every week. They, they have been counseled in this, they've been trained in this, but there's this incredible level of confidentiality and safety in our prayer room, and I, and I would love to encourage you to take advantage of those relationships. And the last fill-in here is take the long view. Take the long view, to have patience, to keep after it, even when you don't see immediate progress. The scripture in Proverbs 16 says, better to be patient than powerful, better to have self-control than to conquer a city. In other words, it's, it's good to, to take the long view. And right from the beginning, I've been really, really clear that, that March wellness is not this idea of, you know, 30 days to, uh, you, you know, a, a better body or it's 90 days to that, you know, bikini you want. Hopefully I'm talking to the girls. Uh, but it's like the, the, the idea is that's, not, that's almost the polar opposite of what March wellness has been. March wellness is you following in love, falling in love with stewarding you, the whole of you. It's you stewarding your mind and experiencing the positive results of being a good steward of your mind and falling in love with that, so you want to continue to steward your mind well. Stewarding your body and, and your diet and your fitness levels so that you, you enjoy energy level and you enjoy how you feel in your own skin. And because you enjoy that, you want to keep stewarding well, and it just creates this upward cycle of you leaning into your relationship with Jesus. And the more you lean into Jesus, the more you enjoy intimacy with Jesus, so you keep walking that road. And, and we've talked about this before. That's why people say the very best diet out there is the one that you stick to. The very best workout plan is the one you keep. Right? Why is this? Because consistency matters. I'll just give you a story. When I was in college, I wanted to transfer to Harvard to play football. I missed football after I graduated high school. I realized I made a mistake in moving to a school that had no football team. And so I thought, oh, you know, I want to play football. Where should I go? Harvard sounds like a great idea. So I was on the dean's list. I had a good GPA. I thought, okay, I can get into Harvard. I just need the coach to really help me out. And during that season of my freshman year, I was in the weight room every day. I won't brag, but I was putting up more weight than I can even imagine right now. I was lifting like crazy, all kinds of, I've never been a big guy. I was probably about 160, but I was benching twice that. Yeah, you should be impressed. <laughs> so, 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 I mean, I just had the, and I was in every day, and, and I looked over as I was putting on these, you know, kind of plates on each side of the, the bar, I, I looked over, and there were two buddies from my dorm that were also in the gym, 
And, and they were, like to me anyway, they looked like what Charles Atlas called himself, like 90-pound weaklings. They're super small, skinny. I was lifting manly, manly, manly kind of weights, and they had the, the, the little pink weights, you know. And, and I confess, I judged them in my mind. And all this was happening while I was trying to get into Harvard to play football. And over the course of the summer, I got a letter back from Harvard, and it said... Thanks, but no thanks. It said, like I'm sure thousands of, uh, you know, we appreciate your application. I hope your life goes well. So that's, that's what it said. So I was crushed. I felt rejected. I, my heart felt unattractive. I just, I lost all motivation. And so I didn't go back to the gym for three years. In fact, I just kind of thought, oh, to heck with it. And I just began to, uh, you know, not make good decisions spiritually, not make good decisions physically. I, there, there just were all kinds of things going on in my life. But when I was a senior, I bowed the knee to Jesus. This is my spiritual story. This is my faith journey. And as a part of coming back to this vibrant relationship with Jesus, I figured, you know what? I need to drink less beer and get back in the gym. That was two really, you know, high-level commitments. <laughs> and so, so I, I go back to the gym, and I was so humbled to realize that the kind of weights I was doing three years ago, I couldn't even come close to. So I was putting on these tiny little plates. And I look over at the two buddies that were there They'd been at it for four years straight. And they did not look like 90-pound weaklings. No, they look like 250-pound bodybuilders. In fact, one of them you might have heard of. Have you heard of Dwayne the Rock Johnson? Yeah, that wasn't him. But I don't know their names. But, uh, but the lesson went home to my heart that it doesn't matter what kind of weight you're lifting now. What matters is to take the long view and stay at it consistently. Spiritually, it doesn't matter where you are right now. What matters is if you're gonna stick with the journey for the long haul. With your mind, doesn't matter. The, your IQ level, this is not what we're talking about. We're talking about you being a good steward of what God has given you now for the long haul. Can I get an amen for this? Amen. This is the whole lesson. This is, this is everything we've talked about wrapped up into one moment right here. See, the, the guarantee with pursuing wellness is that one year from now, you will love how you feel. And you will love the way Jesus can use your energy level and your life. And you keep going after it. And then five years from now, you will love your life and the way that God is using you even more. And 10 years from now, you will have so many stories of the adventures that God has led you on. You'll see how learning has been brought your way. You'll see how compassion has been built within you. You'll see the physical stamina he's given you so that you can turn your energy level into bringing his kingdom come and reflecting his glory in this lifetime. That's what we're talking about when we talk about wellness. And so friends, I just want to encourage you. Right? I want to encourage you with these words. This is 1 Corinthians 9, 25, 27. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wealth, but we and imperishable. In other words, what we're talking about is not a crown that fades. We're talking about something that lasts for eternity. 
So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. What I'd love to have you do is bow your heads and let's pray. Your body is a temple and your life is a gift. Your mind is amazing. You are a soul. And you have been challenged to steward well your choices, your resources, and your days. Maximizing you is a choice out of gratitude to God. And then it becomes a gift to those you love. And so, Jesus, we pray now that you would help us. We pray that you would give us the consistency, the steadfastness, the perseverance, and the endurance to look at this challenge with a view to the long haul. We want to, we want to make sure that we steward our minds well, that we don't underestimate the power of a God-created mind a mind that can have a positive outlook, a mind that can actually think our way and attitude our way towards wellness and abundance. And so we just, we release that to you now. We ask that you would fill us and lead us and guide us to that place. Lord, we know the value of our daily choices. And so we ask that you would allow us to make good daily choices, that the things that we love on a day-to-day basis, the things that we embrace on a day-to-day basis will be things that bring your kingdom glory, things that build love in our relationships, things that bring us intimacy with you. And lastly, Lord Jesus, we ask that you would allow us to be consistent, consistent in stewarding our hearts, consistent in stewarding our minds, and consistent in stewarding our bodies. And we recognize that this is, yes, for our good, but Jesus, it's for your glory. And it's for your kingdom's sake. And so we ask for your help. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.